Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Q. Back in 2021, this wildfire ripped through lit in British Columbia. You might remember it was all over the news. It was all anyone in this country could talk about. I mean, especially if you were you were in BC. Homes and businesses were evacuated. You heard stories of like residents running away from the fire, looking back as their village was burning down. One of those people was Megan Fandridge. She's a poet, editor, She'd lived in Lytton her entire life. And Megan owned an art cafe in, in, in Lytton, on Lytton's main street. It was one of those places, and I've been to places like this all across Canada, and they're really important. They're, they don't get a lot of attention, but they're really important. They're a cafe, but also like a community hub, especially a hub for people who are into the arts in a, in a smaller community. So Megan's own house was spared from the fire, but her cafe, which was like her second home, and the second home for a lot of people, burned down. Megan's life changed in an instant, and she spent the next year trying to figure out how to process that trauma and how to move forward. And it turns out poetry was part of the answer. Megan started to write poetry, check this out, for the first time ever as a way to cope with the loss that she faced and the aftermath of that fire. And she found that sharing that poetry was a way to ease her pain and process the grief. The result is an incredible book of poetry. It's called Burning Sage, Poems from the Lytton Fire, Megan's first collection of poetry. And when you hear her read her poem, as she's going to do, you're, you're going to be quite shocked that this is her first book. Megan Fandrich joined me from New York to talk all about it. Megan, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Tom. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to, pleasure to have you. So you're, you're in New York at the moment, right? Yeah. Um, about a year ago, I booked an Airbnb for three months for myself and my daughter. I'm a, I'm a single parent because we just we couldn't do another winter in a burned up town. So we're here in New York. It's definitely not a burned up town in the middle of nowhere. What, um, <laughs> what, what is Lytton like these days? I mean, the village of Lytton itself, 90% was destroyed. So it's right now, it's just a bit of a mix of kind of rubble and flat, smooth, cleared out lots that are almost ready for rebuilding. Uh, but in the area around Lytton, there's still a couple of thousand people, um, mostly the indigenous, the indigenous communities around Lytton, which means there's a couple of thousand people, including myself and my daughter, who have lost our center, our, the town. Um, the, the next closest town with any reasonable services is almost an hour away. So Lytton is just, um, it's still just a burned up town. In 2014, in, in happier times, I'm sure, you opened the Cloa Art Cafe. Tell tell me a little bit about that place. Oh, it was such a nice space. Oh, yeah. Um, it's yeah. It was. I mean, at the time of the fire, it was it was really flourishing. I guess I had the work of 75 different local and Inkokamak artists there. So in such a small community to have so many people making art was amazing. Um, we also served vegan food and we roasted our own coffee, like made such a good espresso. Um, I had 
I think five employees at the time of the fire um, and a beautiful courtyard garden outside of the cafe. So it was like one of one of the few um, kind of outdoor public spaces in Lytton. And so that courtyard just always had people, you know, chilling out, drinking their coffee, their iced coffee in the Lytton summer. And yeah, it was just really, I always use the word vibrant to describe it. I mean, these these places, I know people who run these kind of places and they, and they 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 take all of you. And my, my my understanding of it is that you weren't you weren't home a lot. You you and your daughter were at the cafe a lot. Yeah, I mean, I basically raised her there. That's where she took like her first steps. That's where she came to work with me every day when she was an infant and even a toddler. And yeah, we we spent all of our time there. And when we weren't there at the coffee shop, we were at home, and I was working on things for the coffee shop. Right, um, Megan. As much as you want to talk about this, when the cafe was destroyed by the wildfire. You chose not to re- rebuild it. Why not? It wasn't actually a choice. Um, I had insurance, but then because of the delays, like like I said, nothing has even been rebuilt in Lytton yet. And because of the delays, the costs just keep going up and up, but the insurance policies don't. So my insurance policy that at the time of the fire would have been enough to rebuild is now less than half enough. So it's just, it's just not a choice. It's just I can't find an extra you know, 300000 or more to rebuild what I had. Ah, that's heartbreaking. I'm sorry. Thanks. Um, yeah, thanks. Did, have you been back to the site? You have. Yeah, I've only been back four times. I, I live just like, you know, a, a seven minute walk away. I used to walk down to the coffee shop for work. Um, but I've only been back on the property four times. How was that? So the, I went back three times within the first year. Um, the fourth time was two years after the fire. Yeah. But in that first year... I think like the fire itself was an awful and traumatic and scary event. Um, but it was actually just like the moment in which everything changed. And then the trauma is more adapting or realizing how much everything has changed. Like it's when everything that was normal in your life is completely gone. And so that year after the fire, it wasn't like, oh, how am I going to deal with the fire? It's like, how am I going to survive from moment to moment? And in a way, like try and make a new normal, except while dealing with like shattered mental health because of the trauma. And so in that first year, there were three different times that I went to my property and visited it. But kind of at each time, I was in such a different space in the trajectory of the trauma, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, of course. of course. And and then in, in, in all of this, about uh, my understanding is like 14 months after the fire, you start writing poetry. Mm-hmm. I heard you call yourself a surprised poet. What do you mean by that? Yeah, because I've never written poetry, except like, of course, in grade six, I wrote some amazing, like rhyming poems. Oh, they were amazing, were they? Um, (laughs) Of course. I'm pretty (laughs) sure I would have got a star. Um, (laughs) But um, since grade six, I haven't written poetry. And I've also never shared my writing. So I've, and I've never, I guess, done any writing except my own journaling. Um, And so for me to like, just start writing out the experience or writing out the memories and for it to emerge as poetry, just, it did, it completely surprised me. And then it also surprised me how there was this, like the intense need to share it. Uh, Because overall, I would say like, I'm quite a a private person. And then to put my like emotional experience on a page and then to feel like I had to share it. Everyone I talked to, I would tell them like, I'm writing and I would hand them poems to read. Um, It was it felt like it was coming from almost like beyond me, and it was surprising. 
I'm Tom Power. Coming up, more of my conversation and a poem from the poet Megan Fandridge. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, Here, There and Everywhere. Listen to Season 2 of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tom Power. Here's more of my conversation with Megan Fandridge. There is just something about poetry in itself. It's not surprising to me that even though you haven't written poetry when you were grade six, when it came time to sort of process the unexplainable emotions you were feeling in the aftermath of all this, that you the poetry is what came out. Yeah, there's something about like how poetry distills it down, right, to its deepest essence. And I think that's that's what I needed to share was just this like, raw and deep and vulnerable experience. I didn't need to sugarcoat it because there was no way to sugarcoat this. Um, Especially when I was just, I wasn't writing it in order to share it or to tell people. It it wasn't like I sat down and thought like, oh, I'll write a book about this. No, I just was writing because I needed to externalize these experiences and these emotions. I needed to get them out of my body where I was carrying them for for the year or the 14 months before. So, yeah, so I just needed to get them out in almost the most honest way I could, I mean, which is, was poetry. Is that what happened? Like when you put your pen to paper or like your fingers to fingers to keyboard, is there this sort of release? Is this sort of this feeling that you get? Yeah, fingers to typewriter. And I would just start typing something with kind of almost like an emotional memory in mind or like just like one snippet of a scene in my mind. And I would start to type it. But then the poem would just like evolve and come out in a different way. And I would take it out of the typewriter, right? I'd move that, take that paper out of the typewriter and reread it. And then I would start crying, like for the first time ever for that experience, I would read what I had written and then almost seeing it out of me because I hadn't even been putting thoughts to these experiences, right? I was just trying, like I said, just trying to survive, just trying to keep myself and my daughter alive. And then here I am writing out that time and reading it now as this remote something that's a little further removed from me. And then finally I was able to process it enough. Yeah, to even cry for it, to even put the words on it enough. You you, you I mean, I'm I'm just going back to what you were telling me about your your cafe, that your cafe was this this really vibrant space where the community could come together and and share. And I guess, you know, learning about this story made me think about whether these it's these spaces or it's or it's the people in them. Because I, I know you said that if you were as you were writing these poems, you felt this need to share them and you held a book launch in Lytton and you mm-hmm. read poems from this collection from Burning Sage to your friends and neighbors in the community, all of whom lost so much in this devastating fire. How was that for you? Like what did it did it give you something to be able to share that with them? I think that book launch, like, of course, it had to be in Lytton, right? Like, this is my story within our big collective experience. And so it was the most beautiful and meaningful and terrifying event. Um, I took the book on book tour after for a couple of months and did, you know, 25 events around BC. And still that Lytton one was, it was the scariest because, because the loss of Lytton has affected so many of us. And each of us 
in such a deeply personal way, right? Like each of us lost what was normal to us. And so, yeah, so sharing it within the community, it was so beautiful to be able to do it there and to feel the support of the community. And it was received so warmly and just like, yeah, with so much support and with love and, and has been since like everyone, everyone from Lytton is buying a copy. It's been amazing. And, and that in itself has been healing, right? So in, in other words, to share, like, this is my experience. This is how I experienced it. And to have other people who completely understand, support me within that and also share their own experiences. Would you mind, would you mind reading one of the poems? Um, we were going to get you to read two, um, mm-hmm. which is about my understanding of the, the second time you visited the ruins of the cafe. Can you tell me a little bit about that day, a little bit about this poem? Yeah, I think this happened in in the spring after the fire, so almost a full year later. And up until that point, like I said, I had just been really focusing on survival. And at first we weren't even allowed on our properties, and then we were only allowed back with a security escort. And, like, and there were all of these rules and restrictions around just visiting the place, you know, the place I had raised my daughter in. Mm-hmm. And I think somehow being in that hard winter and with all of those, for me, like impossible events, like the ongoing, the natural disasters, just just being a single parent in a burned up town. And it was all so impossible. And so then when I would hear like, oh, you can only access your property with this or with that and these all of these rules, it would be too much. And so I just, I couldn't go at all until I had a, a friend come to visit. And she said that she would go down to the property with me. And, and we went together and it was being there finally with someone that I felt really safe with and just letting myself sit there on the property. And then as you'll hear in the poem, that is when anger finally surfaced. That's when my anger, like just, it just appeared really suddenly. And that was amazing to step out of this like victimization or not exactly victimization, but just this helplessness of the trauma of, of the change of, how impossible things were and to step into that anger it let me actually step into i mean as they say like but the five stages of grief or the seven stages of grief or however many there are but to actually step into that process finally like when i stepped into the anger i stepped into finally forward movement where i was no longer helpless i could actually step into this active emotion and be really mad and control I don't know, the experience around me through my anger. And from there, step away from the anger and finally away from the trauma. Um, not that I will ever completely be away from the trauma. The fire will always be part of me and part of us. But to actually take control over my life again. And I think for me, this moment in the poem is a pivotal moment in that in that progression of the emotion. Um, Megan, at your leisure, I would love for you to, to read it for us. It's called Two. The second time I visited my ruins was in the spring, nine months after the fire. The dangerous walls still standing, the loose bricks more settled, the ash and debris the same. A friend climbed into the basement, pit of ashes, with a handrake sifted for hours, uncovering relics of my past. Broken sculpture, fractured china, rusted jewelry, embedded in pieces of shattered glass. 
I sat at the top, watched what she pulled out, feeling nothing except a dull curiosity. How a burned doorknob looks like a vase, or knitting needles crumble with touch, or only the ugliest dishes survive. Feeling dull curiosity, but no attachment to this excavation of life. She brought up jars, herb-infused salts, products I made in the kitchen a few days before the fire, the glass still intact, just scorched. She set them gently on the sidewalk beside me. And one by one, I smashed them. That was Megan Fandrich reading a poem called Two from her new poetry collection. It's called Burning Sage, Poems from the Litten Fire, and it's out now. Megan, join me from New York City. Thank you so much to Megan Fandrich for coming on the show, for for reading a poem, um, and to talk about, uh, I mean, I can't imagine what she went through there. I, I, I really can't imagine what she went through there to lose that lose that in, in the fire. And if you're listening to this in, in Lytton, in British Columbia right now, or any of the places in BC who are devastated by fires, I hope I hope you got something out of that, and I hope you, you might get something out of those, those poems as well. Um, the other podcast we have up today is a conversation with, I mean, a fellow BCer, BCer, Newfoundlander, Quebecer, yeah, BCer, um, Jenny Lazan, who's... British, BC or British Columbian, I just got told. Okay, British Columbian. Yeah, British Columbian. Prince Edward Islander? British Columbian. Sorry, BC. Point being, Jani Lazan, who has been a working artist in this country uh, for decades now. She's been um, a mime, a director, uh, an actor, a blues flautist. Uh, and a puppeteer for Jim Henson and uh, The Muppet Show and Fraggle Rock and Mr. Dress Up. And she's here to talk about the life of a working artist in Canada. Go check that out wherever you got this podcast. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.